Hello and welcome to So Bad It's Good, the podcast that, a bit like Adam Sandler's career, won't just die. (laughs) If you've watched our first season, then you know what we're all about. We love talking about crappy movies, bad acting and ultimately the dregs of cinema. But whether you just want a bit more of us in your lives or some bite-sized content to listen to before work, we've decided that our next project will be shorter, snappier and less edited. Pretty much the podcast equivalent of a Family Guy cutaway. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you Inside the Studio, a spin-off of SBIG where Ash and I discuss some questions we get asked about the movies we love and also the ones we hate. Yeah, each week we're going to be speaking about a single question posed to us that we get sent to us and what our opinions are of them. So without further ado, let's start. So Ash, what questions do we have this week? So, fairly full inbox, um, and rifling through, our first one comes from a P. Voorhees, fortunately, and it's simply, what's your most underrated horror movie? It's a cinematic hot potato, partridge, uh, so match, catch, match, catch, match, catch. <laughs> yeah, match, match, catch. Um... Match, catch. Catch that sounds like a uh, kind of late 80s, uh, kind of like buddy comedy or something, <laughs> or like rom com or something, but yeah, yeah, or yeah. the Bruce Forsyth uh, <laughs> game show that we never got to see, yeah. Um, but going to the question, I think it's an interesting one, uh, because I'm I'm not like you that I, I've watched as not as many horror movies, but I do really like horror as a genre, and um, I think. You can do some really interesting things with it. I'm not a huge fan of comedy horrors generally. I don't think that I don't enjoy them. I don't. I don't think they're doing anything. They're sometimes just a bit excessive and don't really grasp the comma and uh, the the comedy of it. Um, Although certain elements like it and Get Out have some really good uh, comedic elements in it, um, but that doesn't make it a horror comedy. But I do think that there's this like other element of horror comedies which aren't really established, which are like the horror satires. So like the screams, the cabins in the woods, and yeah. uh, the one that I want to talk about, which is called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Um, so I, I don't know if you've seen this, actually. Uh, I know I mentioned it to you a couple of months ago. I have. Uh, I watched it this week. Did you? Uh, it's a gr- it's it's such a... I really it, enjoy it. On, I enjoyed it's on, it. It's on YouTube as well. So, like, it's really mm. easy to, like, access. Um, and it's, it's also, yeah. like, a horror documentary. It's, like, a mockumentary style, which I think is such a brilliant format for horror movies. And I don't think there's enough good, of, good ones of this out there. Um, and I think Behind the Mask is this brilliant, like, balance of like satire and a bit of like playing fun at the genre while still being a really good Mm. horror movie so for those who don't know um and it is quite an unknown horror in in relation to the big big names that you see there um this movie exists in the world where all the famous slashers are real um so you know the nightmare on elm street camp crystal lake um you know halloween all of them exist within the same world um in, in this horror movie and uh, the whole film is done like a documentary following this young girl who is interviewing a serial killer before he becomes a serial killer and not like your John Wayne Gacy or your Ted Bundy but like one of these almost supernatural horror movie serial killers who's got this whole whole process it's it's almost 
I best it's, it reminds me almost like of a Louis Theroux documentary where you've got mm, this person yeah. following them in their lives, trying to understand how they operate and what goes through their mind when they're experiencing certain things. And, and it's genuinely got one thing I, I liked about it. It's genuineness about it. Like it mm. doesn't, obviously there's bits of like meta stuff and it's quite self-aware, but it, it does really feel like, you know, like you say, like a Louis Theroux going out or like, a bunch of students going out yeah. with a video camera to try and track down this psycho in waiting. And it does, it really comes across really well. Very genuine, yeah. I think. But it, it kind of has this quite lightheartedness to it because it's not like it's super secret. Like this, this, you know, uh, the Leslie type titular character, Leslie Vernon is, is like got like these older, this older guy who's like his mentor and he's like got this button down life with his wife and you yeah. know they, it's quite cutesy yeah. their life but he's also was a previously like one of these cinematic serial killers and Leslie Vernon's like oh my god like I'm, I'm doing the, the kind of the red herring which is the classic scene in every um horror movie at the beginning where you know the one of the one of the characters notices the killer in the distance something a bang or mm. noise makes them turn away and when they look back the killer is gone and you see him set this up this scene and it's it's very funny how like how he does it and stuff bring around the brick hasn't he which yeah. is really good yeah and he gets he does that thing that you see in a lot of these documentaries where they the, the person in question the subject of the documentary wants to bring the documentary team involved like not just view it but like go oh no so he says to the female director like oh you know here is the uh here's like you know i want you to be the one that kind of makes the noise in the background so that i can vanish and, and stuff like that um and yeah, and I think oh, you've got Robert Englund, who obviously Freddy Krueger fame is in it, and he's a really nice cameo, very clever. And there's this, there is this send up of of the the slasher movie, but in the same way that say the Cabin in the Woods does it, where there's quite a sincere send up. There's it's almost like creating a logic to these very mm. formulaic and very uh, overly structured um, like movies, uh, and, and kind of puts its own in logic to it, which just makes it much more entertaining. Um, I don't know because what did you think about it when you saw it? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, it was like I say, it, it was a lot more deadpan mm. than I thought it would. Think about it the more I liked it because as soon as I watched it, I, I remember thinking, I thought it could have been funnier the first mm. time I watched it. And I, I, and to be fair, I do agree with what you say. I don't think horror comedy is always not only does it work i just don't think it's particularly useful either but yeah i i, I did look back thinking because mm, the guy who plays him is brilliant yeah um and uh, very convincing uh, as a real horror villain and i thought maybe there could have been a bit more of a tongue in cheek so right at the end of the film when the, the house goes on fire and you've got like his charred body and things like that the credits play mm -hmm. and uh talking heads signs that like the body's twitching I think or something like that I remember thinking oh I love that I love that little musical joke it's it's like punchy it's got like I remember thinking that could have been maybe shoved more but having said that since watching it like four or five days ago or whatever I think no it probably got it about right actually yeah. uh, any more of like obvious jokes and, and sort of like a bit of um, like dumb and dumber stuff probably would have yeah may, maybe not felt as 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 decent on the horror side immediately upon viewing but when I look back I go yeah it was it was a really nice little film yeah I think I think I agree with you I think there's there's a point to it where you do watch it and it's that 
they could have played up certain elements a lot more. Mm. But I, I, I'm glad that they didn't. Because I think when you watch a horror, it's like when you read a, a book series that you like or, or you know, a TV show that you really like. You, you want there to be some loving attention to it and not just ridicule. Mm -hmm. And I think when you do horror comedy, sometimes it strays into the territory of just being ridiculing the genre that, to be fair, people love yeah. and people enjoy. Um, so the fact that that kind of toys with the, the mechanics of it and the characters and, you know, there's the, the, the final girl that he identifies at the beginning and they're in this car and it's like all, you know, you know, gonzo style like shot, like with this, with this camera mm -hmm. trying to capture this, um, the final girl that Leslie Vernon's identified and then it turns out that she's not a virgin and she just jumps out a window and then she kills herself. <laughs> um, and and it and the way it does that is quite, I mean, personally, I think the movie switches about halfway, three quarters of the way through to like a proper slasher movie, um, which I think is yeah, probably the does, weakest yeah. weakest part of the, the movie um, when it just follows format. Um, but I, I think it has to, if it's going to be this satire and loving, loving representation of, you know, a horror movie yeah. and the slasher movie, it kind of has to then just become a slasher movie at some point and then before it can pull itself back out. Um, but yeah, if you haven't watched it, I, I thoroughly recommend it. I think it's a really entertaining couple of hours. It's not too long. Um, and it's just one of those enjoyable movies that not everyone's seen. Mm. Yeah, agreed. It is really good. Favourite bit in it, about halfway through, before it cuts to, like, it just goes into full-on, like, 80s homage, mm. proper uh, unadulterated slasher. There's about a, a brilliant bit halfway through where he's narrating what he's going to do on this this night, and it's him sort of, like, preparing all the stuff. He's got, <laughs> like, a cider press on the go. Um, and then it cuts from him doing this really... Dwight Schrute sort of like you know when Dwight talks about like killing horses and, yeah. and his weird family but he does it in a really deadpan yeah. way that's funny sort of Dwight Schrute sort of thing I completely shrewded it um, <laughs> <laughs> this guy he honestly he absolutely shrewds it um, but then it cuts from that to I guess his fantasy or, or, or what the slasher film will look like so he's going obviously I'm gonna uh, cut off the lights and then the horniest guy is going to go down and fix it with his girlfriend and it <laughs> shows you like the pure version of it alongside yeah. his his little commentary so yeah i thought i thought it was really good my favorite you just reminded me of one of my favorite lines is is that uh, he kind of is is that is that type of bit usually at the beginning of documentaries so it does a, a good reflection of mockumentary of it really mm. well i think that's another thing to highlight about it but one thing it does really brilliantly is there's a scene where he just like it's just talking about you know people underestimate how hard this job is and and stuff like that and mm. you see that usually in a lot of documentaries yeah. about weird weird jobs or weird lifestyles and uh he's like yeah people underestimate you know like you know how much workout i have to do to run silently <laughs> to, to walk faster than like the average person <laughs> i just i i just i love that and it was just it yeah. was just brilliant and um yeah i yeah, i think i think it's i think it's really good what about yourself like what do you, what one sprung to mind when you had this question thrown at you mm, okay so yeah i think there's well there's buckets that loads that come to mind really but i've 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 gone uh, i've got a, a back a backup option as well so i've i've gone for two so i've got a, a more recent one that came out and it got it got good reviews but it didn't it was a french horror film so i don't think it quite got it's not like on everyone's tongues, if you know what yeah. I mean. If When I've mentioned it in work and stuff like that, no, no one's particularly heard of it. And then I buy an acknowledged 
horror master, mm. but one that's sort of fall by the wayside in comparison to all the other great stuff he's done. So number one, uh, Raw. It was a. Uh, have you seen that? It's the can. It's the cannibal one about. Yeah, the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. Really good. Brilliant. One of my favourite uh, recent uh, horrors. Um, and yeah, it came out in, in 2016, and it's just it's it's one of these. It's like a social horror, really. Mm. So it's horror, as opposed to it's not like a big psychological horror or supernatural stuff. It's just um, the horror grows out what out of what is already quite a tense situation, which I guess is is basically Freshers Week. This girl goes <laughs> to um, this uh, young girl. She's a strict. Um, veggie or vegan whatever she is and she ends up going to this quite uh, fancy french uni like the sorbonne or you know something like that and she's immediately thrown into all of like those slightly full-on anxious stuff that you get these uh, raves and stuff like that and she's getting hazed all the time she's trying to join these like societies and they're quite ruthless with the hazing and quite mean and mean-spirited sort of things um and anyway one of them she's forced to like I say, she's a diehard uh, non-meat eater, but she's four sweet, I think, like raw uh, rabbit liver or something mm. like that. And yeah. obviously it's disgusting. Disgusting to watch as well, but obviously for her, it's 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 really sickening. And uh, But anyway, she grows a bit of a taste for it. And not just, you know, livestock either, but, you know, actual people. Um, so the, the story is this, how she sort of, uh, faces all, all the horrors of, of uni life but also tries to deal with this uh, need to feed really she's constantly on the lookout for meat and as as human and as risky uh, and as murderous as possible is the better um, and not not to give anything away but but by the end of the film she realizes that uh, she's not alone in all of this either she's got uh, it seems to be a family trait and it's it's got like a really cool ending actually really a very calm ending but there's something about it that's really really unsettling yeah uh, and I, I thought it was brilliant and she gives i can't remember i, I remember um i think her first name was garance or garance however you say i can't remember her second name but the actress in it who plays this girl just runs the full range she does all of like the timid not knowing where to look fresher and then when she really uh is possessed by this urge she really becomes really like virile and aggressive mm. and uh, there's a brilliant bit where she like sings this uh punk song in the mirror like like a taxi driver thing yeah. um when he's talking to himself in the mirror i just thought their performance was bang on um and it's a, it's a great little film that, that people should probably uh, be more aware of if they're not already yeah no i'd agree completely and that whole point about you know the family trait element that's the thing that I mean, the whole thing, what I love about it, it's one of my things that I think you can always judge a good horror movie by its ability to, to kind of reflect the real world tensions and horrors that you experience and, and put them into a, into mm. a kind of non-realistic setting. Um, obviously, Get Out is a great example of like, you know, the positive discrimination and racism inherently yeah. in America, but then it's played out in this very, not supernatural, but very unrealistic and, un, yeah. um, you know, un, unlifelike scenario. And within Raw, that's the same thing. It's that whole 
experience of going to university, that experience of being out in that environment, um, that whole culture and understanding, um, and that whole element of it being part of a family trait, I loved because it, it reflects the fact that you're not the only one who's done that, that everyone's mm. gone through those things, you've gone to uni, even if you haven't gone to uni, yeah. you have those experiences. So I absolutely love that. I mean, as a, as a as a hazing, I thought it was horrendous. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever been hazed yes, you, when you were when you were at uni? What did did you have any have any? Uh, uh, no, I um, no, I, I wasn't because I, I didn't really join societies and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I remember once we had this, you know, like this quad type thing where everyone where your rooms and overlooking one night, I think it was like a, a rugby team being sick. But it was like multicolored vomit. Like oh. each one was a different. Like it was like rainbowed, uh, <laughs> and it was because they'd forced the rugby team, I think, to drink um, pints of coloured milk. Oh, until oh. until the threat. Like they were just that's, yeah. That's and so I just remember looking out and just seeing people. Like one was yellow, one was purple, being sick. That's that's rancid. It's oh. nasty that, but but not. I mean, and, and you get all the rest of it. What is it? Where everyone throws pubes in it. I've seen that being done before. Mm. I don't get it. I mean, I I joined some societies, but none of them were ever like <laughs> that that way inclined. I mean, I joined yeah. the croquet club. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can you uh, imagine what the hazing for that would be? No, no, it was. Uh, like, it was I was dire at croquet as well, and I also joined like the tea society and some really pretentious. Oh yeah, stuff, stuff, stuff like that's okay. But yeah, I can't um, imagine that the tea society is like, yeah, yeah. You thought you're gonna have some Earl Grey here, some Lapshong Shushong. Just like <laughs> puke in it. Um, <laughs> um you thought it was loose leaf, it was actually my pubes. Um <laughs> yeah. no, no, it was never hazed, um, thankfully. But my second choice, just in case yeah. anyone has already seen that, or if they think, oh well, you know, maybe it's foreign or cannibal is, is not their bag. The second one I've gone for, and I love this, I watched this, I haven't watched it in years, but it's mm-hmm. a big one for me anyway, is The Fog, John Carpenter. Oh, okay. So obviously Halloween's like yeah. your textbook uh, modern horror classic. And this came along later, I think it was about two or three years later, in the 80s. Um, and it's really, it, it's it's a brilliant, it's just, it's a pure pulp story, really. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ghost pirates come alive mm-hmm. every X amount of years. They just happened to come alive on this night. I think the town, it's one of those, like the town celebrating a big anniversary, a big 200 years since it was founded or something. So everyone's bustling about in their own world, trying to focus on this event, little realising that they're being terrorised by these ghost pirates. Yeah. And it's just great. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it again, okay. as she was in Halloween. Yeah. And it's just a really, it's just a really good little sort of um, gothic, almost like an old school film in a way. And it's filmed in quite an old school way, mm-hmm. um, and it can. But it's it's got the best of Carpenter because I think as Carpenter went in the eight, this is just my personal view. As he went into the eighties, this sort of the pulp stuff and the B movie inspiration that he obviously has mm. clashed a bit with big ideas. Yeah, look at like They Live, which is which is okay, mm. but I think the, the big ideas, anti-capitalist stuff, whatever whatever it was clashes with the material and if you look at like the prince of darkness which i watched a few months mm. ago again b-movie material collapses under the weight of like like this big religious cult and it's like satan is 
enshrined in like this goo incident. It, it just doesn't work. It tries to be really like heavy theology stuff, but at the end of the day, it's, it's like this goo. What do you think of so the it's, it's, uh, mouth of Matt in the mouth of madness? I have I've never seen that one. I, personally, I think like don't want to trap, but this would probably be another underrated horror that I would I would recommend is is part of that trilogy. So it's the thing, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness were like these three films that he kind of enshrined as a mm. trilogy. And for me, I loved it. I mean, like I'm apart from being a huge Stephen King fan, I love H.P. Lovecraft's writing. I don't think there's ever been any mm. decent, successful attempt at an adaption of a Stephen of, of a H.P. Lovecraft story. And uh, I think like In the Mouth of Madness is probably the closest that they've ever gotten. Um, and it, it's Mm-hmm. Very, it's got um, Sam Neill in it. Uh, he's like this lawyer, this publicist, uh, publisher lawyer, and oh. he's hunting after the author of this series of hugely successful horror novels. Kind of a com- this author is a combination of like Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft, um, and he slowly starts to realise that actually he is a character within this horror novel, and he's trying to stop this like. Uh, you know, end of the world stuff happening um, that is written in this in this novel. I mean, personally, I, I I loved it just because of the adaption element takes a lot of what H.P. Lovecraft does, and it does a really good adaption of it. Um, does a really good adaption of like this insanity element with a kind of big cosmic horror. Um, but I do agree with something like The Prince of Darkness um, and They Live is is very much like it's a bit too on the nose. But I think if you it is. I think I think that's where like maybe the in the mouth of madness might be a, a nicer balance for you if you haven't seen it. Mm, yeah, I would I definitely. I mean, he's he's a brilliant director. Mm. Um, I mean, off track, off horror anyway. Assault on Precinct Thirteen is one yeah, of my favourite films. Film. Definitely one of the films. I loved it. Mm. I suppose that's a bit of a horror as well, but I absolutely love it. Love Halloween, obviously. Um, and yet the fog, great balance, really good direction. Um. And yet, it seems to. I mean, it's got cult classic, but still not not widely remembered. So there we have it. Thanks so much for joining us in the studio this week, and yeah. uh, we hope you've uh, liked our thoughts on underrated horror. Yeah. If you think there's a movie that's worth watching, just drop us uh, a note on Twitter, which is uh, at sbig podcast, Instagram at sbig podcast. Or, in fact, I might just say here now, actually, notice the difference between SBIG and SBIG. I've noticed this. We'll, we'll come back to this at some okay. point. Isn't it? <laughs> um, or if you prefer email, we're on sbigpodcast.outlook.com. Uh, you can also get in touch to give us a question you'd like us to answer or just share some memes, comments, thoughts. At the end of the day, we're not experts. So until you see us next time, um, we hope you have a fantastic week. Uh, You stay safe um, and uh, we will catch up with you on our next episode. So Bad Is Good is an independent podcast created by Max and Ash and published on Anchor, with music also created by Anchor. All views and opinions expressed are our own and for the purposes of entertainment. Be kind, rewind. The, uh... <laughs> so let's go down the, uh... I can't remember that I'll have to dig that out because as as I showed you that time I've, I've got that folder haven't I with where I've got all the scripts in you yeah uh, so I'll have to dig out that exact line but let's uh... power down the shield no I, I think it was your <laughs> section <laughs> the O line of the best man's speech the... <laughs>
an absolute non sequitur to the 58 other people in the room. 